Dream About You by Loi. So that's the song of our guest this evening on the hashtag Tuesday Takeover. We had a lovely conversation yesterday where South Africans were able to express themselves about how they felt with the change in part of our executive leadership in cabinet. Normal scheduling this evening, of course, resumes with the hashtag Tuesday Takeover and the conversations our guests shall have with guests of her choice. And this evening, our guest is a philanthropist, entrepreneur, and television producer. This is now her current life. In a former life, she was a beauty queen. Of course, I'm talking about and to none other than Miss Uyanda Mbuli. Miss Mbuli, good evening, ma'am. Thank you so much for finally joining us. How are you this evening? I'm excited, and good evening to all the SAFM listeners. Tell us about yourself. Your career has seen so much development, so much change, rebranding. You really are dexterous. You really do evolve. And in the conversation that we were having just before we took to air, in conversation with one of our stars here on the platform, SAFM, engaging us about the impact of COVID and how you have, if you like, pivoted into a response of kind where South Africans can enter specifically in the tourism space. You've also engaged me on Africa and accessing the continent. And perhaps you will tell us about your exploits in the southern part of the continent, your exploits in Lesotho and Rwanda in particular. This in all really sounds like some fascinating approach to how you do things. And clearly it would appear to me no two days are the same in your world. Look, I think um, a lot of people don't know the side of me of um, governmental relationships. You know, when I started my career, I started it in modeling. I was identified or rather scouted at the age of 16 in my school uniform. And I became a supermodel by the age of 18. And that made me conscious of the fact that there was a world that was created out there where I could you know, thrive as a beauty queen. But my mom instilled in me the importance of education and that she did not recognize that as an industry that mm -hmm. I can thrive in, you know. Um, Old-fashioned as I believed at the time she was, but I think she did streamline my career quite decisively. And I'm grateful for that inspiration. So she remains my big, huge role model. Um, when I finished with the University of the Western Cape, I graduated with a Bachelor of Commerce and I did an IMM diploma with uh, Damelin. And then I entered the space of my career through City Power, which is the electricity utility of the city of Johannesburg. I was a media manager there. I left City Power to become a director of communications and customer services at then we, they called it the Department of Housing. Now it's the Department of Informal Settlements in Gauteng. I worked with the likes of Paul Mashadile and Nomvula Mukonyana. I then came to join the SABC as one of the executives of SABC One. We still credited that team from changing the slogan from Yamambela to Mzansi for sure, which is currently the slogan that's being used at the moment. I then left SABC, went to 
the Department of Economic Development, where I joined them as um, first year general manager within the liquor board. I was dealing with marketing communications, governmental relations, stakeholder relations. And uh, when MEC Firoz Kachalia came into the department, I was redeployed as the DGG for communications, which then gave me a broad responsibility mm. because there were certain entities like your Blue IQ, your JEDA, your tourism, your Gauteng film that we were responsible for. And then I became a DDG looking after not only the department, but all our other entities in terms of leading group communications for that. And I also played a role in terms of Gauteng provincial communications, assisting the premier at the time. I then went on to sit on the board of Tara Hospital, and I also sat on the board of Gauteng Film Commission. I even went as far as deputizing a lady that I look up to. Her name is Irene Chenley, who was one of the founding members of MTN, as you well know, together with our current president. And she's really done very well for herself. She's a woman that I hold in high regard and uh, one of my role models as well. So while I was doing these things, I was also playing a, a role in the fashion space, starting Diamond Face Couture with the designer Gerdjohan Kutsia, who's now made it on his own. At the time, he was a young guy looking for an opportunity to grow. So I've seen a lot of people grow. And one of the things that we're talking about before we started the show is the role I played over 20 years ago in terms of um, presenter search. Back then, it wasn't a thing. Now it's been created, you know, searching for presenters, searching for entertainers is now part of reality television. And back then, it was just to open the industry to many young people from different areas of our society that didn't have the platform or the access only if we went to visit their locations and, you know, the small towns, the villages, only then they could access television. So it's 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 actually such a, a great honor to meet a young man who's done very well post that and remembers those times, you know. And um, when I left... Uh, the Department of Economic Development, I joined the Johannesburg Development Agency, which is also the agency of uh, the city of Johannesburg. They are responsible and accredited for building the Mandela Bridge, for building the bridge in Santon, for helping with building parks together with city parks, the roads, even Riavaya, the bus system that you see in, in the city of Johannesburg. And then after that, I decided to go on my own, which then I became the chief executive officer of Uyandambuli Corporation, which is where I am. I have really explored different markets in terms of that. When I started the company, I started it because I wanted to executive produce my own tourism show where I was traveling around the, the world and I wanted to, you know, share that with different audiences so that people who have not visited a certain place would know what it looks like. And I could encourage them to dream big and know that there is no limitation in terms of the spaces which they could play. They don't have to be based in South Africa. They can see what's happening in Greece, for instance, what Santorini looks like, what what can happen if they move to New York. So I'm very proud of 
the role that I play to inspire many young people in terms of understanding that the world is their oyster. They don't have to dream and limit their dreams to leaving Limpopo to come to Joburg or leaving Ganyamazane next to Nelspreet to come to Joburg, that they could go as wide and far as being in Paris, learning how to speak French. You know, so that's what has inspired me to go into Uganda, to go into Rwanda, to go into DRC, to discover, to go to Lesotho, to discover the continent. And now, you know, as an, I call myself an entrepreneur, you know, because I am still discovering new markets where I can play a role, mm. but I obviously restricted to, to the core of my speciality. I want to interrupt you there, Sissy, because I need to go and pay the bills is the proverbial line. So at 20 past eight, which is now, and I'm especially careful with reading after time because I was taken to task yesterday for a melaprop. I called 21.45 and the time was 21.20 or something like that. And one of the listeners was clearly very attentive and one who pays attention to detail. I hope he sends me a message this evening telling me that I'm actually on cue this evening. 2020, it is time for a very short ad break. We continue the conversation, albeit very briefly, with Ms. Uyandambuli, who now styles herself because her words are she's an entrepreneur. Well, you've heard what she's done. The question is, what hasn't she done? A little bit more of her, from her, after this very short break. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. Our guest is philanthropist, entrepreneur, television producer, among many things she has done. She has scouted, she was scouted rather than a school uniform at the age of 16, as you've heard, and recruited to be a model. Now, after a conversation with her mother, which streamlined her, her words, she there isn't anything she has done in private sector, in the public sector. She has started corporations. She is now the head of her own corporation, Yandambuli Corporation, where she does, among a lot of other things, including but not limited to, focusing on making meaning the expression that Africa is one. You've heard from her that she has now sought to enter the continent through travel, among other things, but also bridge the gap between us and the them, whoever the them are, whoever the us is, and in that context, specifically focusing on Africa and transpollinating cultures and ideas, and with that comes growth and development. Imaginably, though, Susuyanamuli, there must be one or two things that concern you or worry you about particularly the youth in this country. What is it? Is it, I mean, what's happening in Witzma surely not sit well with you as somebody who has been through the higher education space, who has seen what opportunity does for one, and how when social problems tend to be proliferated of the kind that really is expressing itself at this university, among other centers of higher education and learning, and how that in many ways just carries on the challenges young people specifically in this day and age are facing. How do you respond or remark on that? First of all, I was taken aback with how insensitive our politicians have become, mm. knowing very well where we come from. You know, when I went to university, I studied through a study loan. You know, when I finished, graduated, I know there were other people that graduated and didn't have a loan to pay. Already I was on a back foot. So we need to be sensitive with where we come from as a country mm -hmm. and that these students, they do need our support understanding. There is nothing wrong with sitting at a table and negotiating and assisting our youth to be educated. Already we're facing a high unemployment rate amongst young people. 
education is one of the keys into entering a different space. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be an entrepreneur that's not educated, that doesn't understand how to balance your books, what you need to do. So education is a very important part of development. You know, so we need to be sensitive. When young people are crying for help, help needs to come. I do understand that government is limited with regards to their budgets and and, and so forth, but we must never underestimate what young people can do. So for me, you know, the aspect of education year after year, every time the beginning of the year, there's a problem with registration, things are not paid. Really, I think government can do better. I mean, when we see wasteful expenditure Mm. and we have to listen to investigation after investigation, how much money has been wasted and most of it is not even covering a percentage of what's spent on education. I think for me that gives me a a very uncomfortable, you know, uh, position to or even peel to swallow. I think, you know, when, when we voted, even if I was young in 1994 and I didn't vote, but people wanted the 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 right to education which which should be a right i mean it shouldn't be a privilege imagine raising a society of uneducated people just because they couldn't have the economic means of being educated education should be a right and every other person politician and actually even the different parties uh the opposing parties they should come together and understand that this is something that they all need to prioritize and bring about a difference in our society. Otherwise, a youth that's not educated, that is disillusioned, can create so many problems. They can actually bring this country to an overhaul. And by then, it will be too late. I think now is the time to talk to them, to empower them, and to bring about change. Well, I'm actually going to yield the platform now and hand it over to you. There are many people that you shall be engaging, and I'm so pleased that Ms. Leanne Singer is one of the marketing and sales director for the Singer Group, member of the Cape Town Tourism Board. She and I met, what, 10 years ago, actually, when I wanted to undertake a trip to, for the first time at the time, to Slovenia via Switzerland, and she was very instrumental in making sure that that indeed did happen. So I certainly do extend my regards, and I'm so happy that Ms. Singer is on air this evening, together with Ms. Rosemary Anderson, as well as Ms. Mr. Mr. Le Sejo Mr. Le Sejo So I'm looking forward to that. The time is 2027. We really don't have enough of it, but we'll give it our best shot to engage whatever it is that our guest this evening on the hashtag Tuesday Takeover, Ms. Uyandambuli, will be engaging them on. So after the break, everybody knows what to do now. We show them love, we show them support, we show them respect, and we engage, especially 86 triple zero. 2032, please get dialing now. 061-0614-104-107 is the number to dial. They structured the number differently, and it becomes very different and difficult to read in the results. Nonetheless, after the break, Ms. Biandamuli. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Songe Zomapete on SAFM. If you've just joined us on SAFM, The Viewpoint is Tuesday Takeover with me, Uyanda Mbuli. I'm taking over from Songe Zomabekre. 
There's many pressing issues right now in South Africa. The economic opportunities are shrinking. We just came off COVID. So if you are an entrepreneur or you are even in a career space, you're looking for opportunities, you realize that it's so frustrating right now. We're living in uncertain times. So I want us to discuss the opportunities that exist so we can survive in these unpredictable times. And I want to look at the frontline tourism sector, which is one of the gateways into you know, access to economic opportunities. If you're sitting at home and you have property, be it um, a penthouse or a, even if it's just a room, what can you do with what you have to make sure that you don't suffer during these hard times? There's many opportunities that you can look at. If you have an apartment, you have a home that you don't want to lose because the bank is sitting on your shoulders, on your neck, and they are demanding that you make a payment and you don't know what to do. What are the opportunities that exist? The first one is entering the frontline tourism sector where you can join Airbnb allow your home or your apartment or your room to be rented out, which will allow you you know, some sort of an income that will make you to stand in the gap and make sure that you don't lose your home or your property that you've invested in for many years. And you can also register it with booking.com and you have some support and insurance that you will have a source of income. If you have a car, you know, what can you do? If you can no longer afford to pay for that car, you know, you can join Uber and start driving your car, make sure that you register with the PRDP, which is Professional professional Driving Permit, which costs about 150 to 280. Then you can balance yourself and make sure that you survive. But I've invited people who are in this sector that I respect and I know that they have different solutions, and I'd like us to discuss that. We have on the line Mr. Lisiho Majatladi, as Songezo said, he is the managing director of Latitude Apart, Apart Hotels. We are used to apartments, we're used to hotels, but Apart Hotels is the new initiative, especially in South Africa, that is new. Lisiho Majatladi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. And I'd also like to welcome on the line Rosemary Anderson. Rosemary is the national chairperson of the Federated Hospitality Association of South Africa. She is one of the voices of the hospitality industry in South Africa. She also sits on the Board of Tourism Business Council of South Africa. Rosemary, how are you? We also have Leanne Singer, who is a marketing and sales expert. She is a director of a travel and hospitality company, Singer Group, which is one of the longest serving which is one of the longest serving hospitality companies in South Africa. And she also sits on the Cape Town Tourism Board. Leanne, are you on the line? If you've just joined us here on SAFM, The Viewpoint is Tuesday Takeover with me, Uyanda Mbuli, and I'm taking over from Songezo Mabeke. 
You know, I think for this interview, we should have already called in the Minister of Electricity because load shedding has such a major impact. It also even has an impact on radio. And unfortunately, it's also just created such a a little bit of a snag. But we move on because it cut off our guest. But now I'd like to find out if Lesejo, Rosemary and Leanne are back online. Yep, we are. Okay, love. Yeah. You all there, yeah. Leanne? Can I hear you? Rosemary, are you there? Yes, definitely. Um, okay. Hello, hello. <laughs> Perfect. I'd like to start with Leanne. Earlier on, I did tell you that Leanne is one of the marketing and sales executives. She's actually a director at the travel and hospitality company Singer Group, which prides itself for being one of the 60-year-old companies in hospitality. She also sits on the board of Cape Town Tourism. Leanne, how has business been affected in terms of the sector itself? Because we came off COVID in the last three years, and as we're adjusting, now we're facing an energy crisis. How how is everyone adjusting in the industry? I know you're also part of the council, the Federation Council. Oyanda, it's 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 been interesting to say the least, right? So pre-COVID, we had the drought here in Cape Town. Then we had COVID and national lockdown that came with it. And what was now supposed to be the time for us to shine and make up for the incredible losses that we experienced during the previous city six months. Unfortunately, we're now faced with new challenges, which is our energy crisis and the impact that that's had, that had on our businesses. So, which was meant to be a time for tourism to make its comeback and for us to recover. Unfortunately, it's not an ideal situation. So whilst, whilst sales are up, whilst our tourism numbers are up, whilst visitors are back, our bottom line is being eroded by the huge expenses that we have to undertake simply to keep our doors open and operate. Let's let's talk about the energy summit. Is there anything that came out strongly on the energy summit that can support the tourism industry at the moment? Yes, incredibly so. So um, thank you for mentioning that. Last Friday, we had a, a, a energy summit which was targeted um, specifically at the hospitality industry. And there was lots of debates. And I think all in all, the sentiment that we came away with was we cannot rely on government alone to fix the problems, right? Government is is trying its best. There are lots of schemes, funds, um, access to finance that governments on a national and provincial and city level are making available. But it's a long-term process, right? It's solving this crisis is not something that's going to happen overnight. So the the responsibility is going to lie with businesses to to look after themselves here. The, the the great wins that came came away from the conference was the fact that our local Minister of Finance and Economic Opportunities, Minister Renal Wenger, she has requested that the that the big big five banks get together in a room and we look at access to funding. We look at um, how long are banks taking to make decisions, how is credit being assessed? She has also requested that we relook at red tech and how long does it take for government to make decisions? Can we speed up the turnaround time so that it is easier for businesses to do to operate in the Western Cape? 
That's lovely. You know, one of the things that I learned with regards to the heritage sites is that there are rules and regulations that governs and regulates having a generator, for instance, on a heritage site. Can we, can we discuss that? Yes, absolutely. I, I heard with, with surprise, too, with some of my colleagues at Lanzarote and, and Rue Constantia, who are, are landmarks in, in the Cape, but are also heritage sites and the challenges that they face in terms of generating um, additional energy. They cannot, like you and I who run a business, just install um, a generator or an inverter because there's so much legislation around these heritage buildings, which are, you know, just because we face a crisis now, we can't ignore that these buildings have been around for three, four hundred years. And we have to respect the heritage that goes around that. But we have to give these operators opportunities to still earn a living where do you draw the line between employing people and preserving the heritage of a building? We have to find a scenario where we can we can pick both boxes. And the minister has asked for us to to convene a meeting along with her colleague, the director general, um, Mr. Rashid Tofi, to have these discussions about how we're going to look at the heritage buildings and how can we support them in terms of energy generation. I'd like to bring in Rosemary now. Rosemary Anderson is the national chairperson of the Federated Hospitality Association of South Africa. She also sits on the board of Tourism Business Council of South Africa. Rosemary, let's talk about the impact of COVID and the energy crisis to all the members of the federation. What, 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 what are the highlights and what are members complaining about or what are the interventions that the members are asking government to deal with? Can, 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 can you come in in terms of that? Certainly, Yonda. The, the industry is basically financially compromised because not only were we shut down by government for a number of months in the hospitality and tourism industry, we then had to operate under legislation which made it in many cases just not financially viable to be open. You know, a restricted number of hours, you could operate only so many patrons, um, no sales of alcohol. So even though you could be open after a certain number of months, it just wasn't financially viable to operate. So many people in hospitality and tourism are financially compromised. And as my colleague Leanne said earlier, you know, now is the time that we really thought that we could make up for it. But besides the energy crisis, uh, Yonder, it's also the problem with secure water provision in areas like the South Coast. We've got one of our members who spent in excess of a million rand over December alone bringing in water to ensure that their guests at the hotel were not, um, didn't spoil their experience because that whole area in the South Coast just does not have a municipality which can provide adequate, um, consistent supply of water. So there are many, many um, obstacles. But on the positive side, um, Uanda, there really are opportunities where our government can open up a whole new market where we can get more international tourists in. And if we can get more international tourists in, that will create so many more jobs. Um, and specifically the digital nomads, which is something which is we can really, really grasp with both hands and uh, run with and actually create so many jobs in our country. I think one of the key things post-COVID was um, domestic travel. I think domestic travel did play quite a significant role in helping the industry to adjust where people didn't travel 
out of the country and they were traveling locally. Uh, but also with regards to inbound tourism at the moment, what are the stats and uh, those stats, what are they telling us? Uh, they're actually not good at all, unfortunately. So if we compare ourselves to other countries and even on our own African country, uh, continent, Kenya, for example, is 110% um, if we're looking pre-COVID levels. So they're actually, the figures are better than pre-COVID. Tanzania, 125%. Um, Uganda, 135%. Botswana is like 90%. Namibia, 80 And we're hovering in the 60s. So we, as South Africa, have not bounded back better than um, many other countries. Unfortunately, we're actually lagging behind. So we really need to look at ourselves and see what we aren't doing. Um, an example would be our neighbor, Mozambique, and also Namibia. They've introduced, their Home Affairs Department has introduced the facility whereby they can have digital nomads. So digital nomads are basically anyone all over the world who can work from home. So COVID basically fast-tracked that. So people who can work from home now, instead of working in, say, gloomy London, you would want to live in a beautiful area like Cape Town or Durban. Um, and a lot of countries are opening up and providing this form of visa where they can work there for a year or two years. Germany even provides a digital nomad visa for three years. So we are lagging behind because we don't have this digital nomad visa facility in South Africa. Um, it's a massive, massive market. It really is. And we're really missing out on it. At the moment, the figures from 2022 um, estimated that there are like 35 million digital nomads um, in, in, the, in the world at the moment with the collective um, economic value of approximately 787 billion. You know, this equates to um, as if it was a country, it would be the 38th most prosperous based on gross national income per capita. So it's a massive market. Um, Mexico has really capitalized on that. 14% of the digital nomads are reported to be currently located in, in Mexico. Uh, Thailand's got 11%, Portugal's got 8%. So every single hotel room equates to one job. If we could get more international tourists to our shores, just look at how many more jobs we could create. And that's what's wonderful about our sector. We're so labor intensive and we generally employ women and the youth. So. Um, we really need to put pressure on home affairs because this could be one of the catalysts to making a big dent in our unemployment problem, Yuanda. Um, that's that 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 sounds like quite a, a big hurdle to overcome. I mean, introducing e visas, but I'm sure the negotiations with the right people in terms of the policymakers using every platform to talk to them and engage in terms of how we can make these systems easier. I would like to bring in Lisejo Majatladi, who's the managing director of Latitude Apart Hotels. Um, Lisejo, Apart Hotels in South Africa, that is fairly new. And um, I would like to discuss with you the career opportunities in this industry and how people can access the industry itself. Well, thanks, Yolanda. I think what, what it's, it's a very nice segue because what uh, Rosemary was talking about in terms of digital nomads speaks to exactly what we do at Latitude. So, you know, digital nomads, by their very nature, tend to stay a bit longer in a destination. And what an apart hotel offers is uh, the, the the living conditions of an apartment with the services of a, of a hotel. 
So we've had people who stayed with us for two, three, if, if not longer months. So we've had somebody stay with us for six months, for example. So it's, 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 a, it's a perfect home away from home. Um, but what you know, what what is quite important for for for, for me and 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 as well as like the broader Fed House of family is bringing in new new energy into the space. Um, you know, very often young people when they think of hospitality, they think of being a waiter or waiters in a restaurant. Um, but if I look at, for example, you know, the job of a revenue manager, which is very much about data analytics and managing uh, different rates at di across uh, different platforms. That is almost a career path built for a young person. If you look at what we, yeah, the amount of time and effort and resources that we put into social media marketing. Uh, I mean, if I was looking for a young, uh, for, for a social media marketing manager, I wouldn't be looking for a 45 year old person. I'd, I'd look for somebody who's in their early 20s. So the industry, I think, uh, offers great opportunities for young people. Uh, and we as an industry need to do a better job of telling young people what's available uh, for them in the sector. Leanne, you know, I see the frontline tourism sector as one of the enablers for survival and economic opportunities, even for people who never dreamed of, you know, running their own businesses or working for themselves. You know, when the opportunity presents itself, I, I think that people can look at this industry um, can we discuss that in terms of local enterprise development using uh, tourism, access of opportunities to women and the youth? I would love to love to talk about that because, as my as my colleagues have have um, have indicated, for every one tourist that visits a, a, a city or a destination. Um, seven for every seven tourists, one permanent job. Sorry, I had that formula mixed up. Every seven visitors equals one permanent job, right? Now, it doesn't cost a huge amount of money to enter the tourism uh, tourism supply chain. Whether you are providing food for an event at a conference, whether you are the the shuttle driver, whether you are the tour guide, whether you're selling curios whether you are opening your home as a as a shared accommodation space. Um, tourism is the single biggest economic driver in our economy, if we're allowed to trade. And think of the benefits that, that tourism brings to small towns that generally don't have other industries serving them. Um, this is where event tourism is so vitally important. Now, under event tourism, we've got sports events, we've got business events, we've got cultural events, we've got music. Um, the, the, the opportunities are endless. And this is where I like to use the term local economic empowerment, right? Where an event can, can really act as a catalyst in a small town and, and create a livelihood for a town like that. There's so many beautiful examples of this. Um, in Mossel Bay, for example, they recently had the, their first Ironman competition. It brought millions of rands into that town's economy at a time of year that was, was off-season where they were not traditionally expecting the amount of visitors. If we look at the, at the West Coast, um, up here in the Cape, what they like to call the Vescus, because they say there are many West Coasts around the world, but there's only one Vescus. They have, they have, they've been masters at creating events to attract visitors 
two regions that would otherwise not have seen tourists. So um, when we when we are able to attract tourists to a new destination, we really are changing the lives of the, the citizens in that community where they are able to generate an income. And when we look at what Rosemary said about women in the industry, there is a there's a great organization called Women in Tourism. Uh, and Leanne, this is the sole focus. Yes. I would like us to take an ad break into the news and we'll come back. Sure. Keep that thought. Sure. And when we come back, we'll I continue <laughs> where we left off. I think as well, what I would like you to you know, think about is the whole lay-by tourism because that's something that we haven't discussed and I would like us to discuss that. And it's very important for young people to understand that when they see opportunities, like they say they're going to be a, a race in, in a certain city, that they should also, you know, grab the opportunity, ask questions and find information that can enable them to be players in this industry. And this leads us to the news. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. On the viewpoint. Welcome back to the viewpoint. It's Tuesday takeover with me, Wianda Mbuli, and I take over from Songezo Mabeke. We are discussing tourism as one of the fastest ways to turn around our economy and how young people and normal people can come into frontline tourism sector and access opportunities we have on the line, Leanne. Leanne, we were discussing earlier on, um, I think for me, the most important part is what has been introduced as lay-by tourism. But I would like to for you to gather your thoughts because I did disturb you before the news and I'd like us to discuss this part of tourism because that's new to South Africa. Perfect, perfect. Um, uh, before the break, um, I mentioned that there's an organization called Women in Tourism and their single focus is to is to create job opportunities for women wanting to enter the tourism sector and to make women-owned businesses in tourism, um, give them access to markets, give them access to education and training. And they're doing tremendous amounts of work in, in paving, paving the way for women who want to join the sector. Um, which brings us to 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 the point of our, our domestic travel and local consumers. Remember that every person who who works in tourism is also a consumer of tourism, right? And therefore, I've always been of the belief, both in my own business and as a member of Fedhasa and as a member of Cape Town Tourism, that I need to ensure that our our, our country is available to all South Africans. All South Africans have to be tourists in our own country, right? And there are there are so many ways that we can do that as the public and private sector to ensure that that our beautiful attractions um, is available to to everybody. And I think it's a it's the onus is upon business owners to to ensure are we offering products that are that that are accessible. And how can we make it more accessible? Because we do want South Africans to spend their money with us, right? We want to to circulate the circulate the rand within our own economies. Um, what we did as a as a business is um, during COVID, we we recognised how it was our local travellers who who kept our doors open. Remember, there, no international visitors were 
we're, we're allowed to visit. And till this day, um, I make a point of whenever I'm sitting in one of our restaurants, I make a point of going to the regular guests and thanking them for the fact that they carried us through COVID. And what we did as a business is we we partnered with with um, with a lay-by company called Payflex, and we were the first first tourism company to contact them. And you can now um, pay off your hotel stay. So anybody can now afford without taking on extra debt because there's no interest involved here. There's no fees. It's simply a means to pay off your stay at a hotel um, across the country through these platforms that are available. And and we need to turn to our financial institutions to, to really look at their models and come up with creative ideas of how we can ignite the local spend in tourism in South Africa. There are so many opportunities and and case studies here. Let's look at let's look at the amount of money that's banked for Stockfells, right? Let's let's unleash Stockfell, Stockfell travel. There's a massive market to be had. Um, Rosemary, I'd like to discuss uh, the interest in how we market our country. We've seen lately with all the news that people were engaging in terms of. Is this country marketed correctly? Is the budget for tourism being spent correctly? I don't want you to dwell into the politicking or the politics or the decisions of politicians because that's not your responsibility. But as a federation, how do you feel that the country is being marketed correctly to benefit the industry itself? What are the members of the federation saying? Well, I think it was absolutely wonderful seeing everyone from all different sectors getting involved in um, recent decisions that were made by SA Tourism. Um, I just wish we could harness all that energy into something positive. Um, there definitely are more ways which we can actually market our country. And if we could attract more international tourists to our shores, we would be bringing in foreign exchange, which in turn which would create more jobs. So there are very exciting ways in which we could actually market our country. And there are many people, more people who could participate in this. So um, I think what happened over the last month, uh, which was all over the country, we should definitely harness that and let everyone know that we're all involved in tourism. We've all got an equal voice and been able to say how we actually want our taxpayers' money spent in actually promoting our beautiful, magnificent country. Lesejo. You, in terms of the apart um, hotels, you deal lot, a lot with corporate. Do you see a lot of leisure guests as well? Or mainly your main clients or key customers are the corporate? The corporate clients. We've got a, I think purely because of our location, we've got a, a, a nice mix between corporate clients and, and leisure travelers. But as we spoke about earlier with uh, digital nomads, they... They, some, they, they sit somewhere in between those two, right? Because they, they're here essentially to to work, but while, they, while they're working, they also do a lot of leisure activities. So um, we, we're seeing a good mix of, of both. And, and what's been interesting is also to see the increase in the travel between Johannesburg and Cape Town. Um, I mean, the, the, the Cape Town to Joburg route is one of the busiest in the world. And it's been good to see that, that trade come back online and for, for, for corporate clients from Johannesburg to come and spend time down in Cape Town. Yeah, I also love the fact that 
now, I think more than ever, uh, well, after COVID, we appreciate our country so much. And even in December, there were a lot of people that traveled locally and didn't travel out of the country like they used to before. So this influx into Cape Town, um, what are the highlights in terms of the local travelers coming from Joburg to Cape Town? What can you share with us in terms of that? I mean, what, what, what has always been, in, you know, if you think about your own travels, for example, is that you would probably travel, you know, take two trips. Uh, I mean, if it's you, you we end up probably more than two um, outside of the country. Uh, so you would have three or four or five international trips in a year. Uh, during COVID, people didn't have the opportunity to take um, that European summer trip. Um, and so they, they either came to Cape Town um, or other coastal areas, or they went into the bush. And so the lodge business did very well as well. Um, so what, what we've seen is that now that people have explored Cape Town more or uh, Western Cape, or even just the rest of South Africa, uh, people are more willing to explore the, um, the, the abundance of uh, activities and, and offerings that we have in the country. So I think, you know, going forward, the domestic market will become even a bigger anchor of, of the local uh, tourism and hospitality sector. Thank you so much, Lesejo, Rosemary, and Leanne. This was an informative session, even for me, who's interested in the hospitality industry. And I hope the people that want to enter this space as a breakthrough for them to, you know, uh, find a way of earning an income in an unconventional way, they got the necessary information. The time now has gone past song as i've stolen 16 minutes of your time it, it it was a great uh session to see you just sitting there and looking at me how did i do you did a fantastic <laughs> job you were absolutely on the money and i i just have to have my little moment is leanne singer still on the line Leanne, are you still there? Of course. Of course, Sungeza, I'm here. Leanne, do you even remember me? I was, I was me? waiting so for ashamed. my moment. I'd be, so, I'd be so ashamed if you don't remember me. Do you remember this young, desperate kid who needed every bit of help that needed to go to Slovenia in and around September of 2013? She actually Leanne, remembers what did I very say well. earlier today? <laughs> she remembers very well. She said to me, Please tell Songezo that you're interviewing me. So, Leanne, please take over. It's your moment. <laughs> what serendipity. Leanne, because I never had the opportunity really to thank you on a public platform. What you and Dan Brotman and where, and Michael Bagram did for me, together with um, Andreas Jacobs or Jacobs, the German-based business person, in varying parts, yes. you were able to... First of all, just look at me, hear me, believe in me, and support me. That on its own was worth its weight in gold. Never mind the fact that I did eventually go because of the interventions of Andreas Jacobs, but it was my engagements with you, the ideas that you gave me, but more importantly, the willingness for you to open up Crystal Towers and the Colosseum for me to do what I needed to get me where I needed to wow. go. That remains. I will never forget that. Thank you so much for being so true to everything that you have said here. I know what you have said here is true. It comes from the heart and you've done it and you've done it for a long time because I was a beneficiary of all of that. So thank you. 
and, oh, thank and you also so Leanne, I appreciate that. Leanne, you are also fighting for women in senior management within the hospitality industry. Just to add on what Songezo has said, and you are doing a great job. You're really one of those women that are paving the way for others. You know, most of the times we get a sit, and when we get a sit, some people ruffle the opportunity so much that the next woman does not get an opportunity but you make sure that every opportunity you get you leave a legacy that will allow another lady to take a seat and i respect you for that i i appreciate it it's 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 our responsibility if i can have one minute so yes, there's around the same time that that's that that you and i engaged i was i was proud host of a group of students at the coliseum who needed a meeting space right and um i could see these guys the potential in them is shone and today um i have i have some of these these young men who are now very successful business people who who as you've said where where i'm just so grateful that i was able to through a small thing now look at these men and look mm. at their success i'm thinking of of Bellani and Boweni, who now, like I now go to him and sell i freaking need to be the salesperson to him where years ago like i was I was, you know, like, like, like mentoring him. Now I look up to this young man and the, the empire that he's busy building. And there's so many case studies like this, where, you know, it, it's our responsibility. We've always got to keep our eye on the future, and we just got to make it a bit easier for the people who are following in the steps behind us. And we all have gifts to give. Every single person on this yeah. planet has a gift to give. Yeah, sure. We just need to raise our hand. We just need to raise our hand. That's all we have to do. It's not hard. And you've been doing it, and we've been seeing you. So thank you yes. very, very much, Leanne. Thank and all you. Of the very best <laughs> thank you for you. thank you for this for this minute for me to promote everybody. I appreciate it. And Uyanda, I look forward to many more conversations. And Zogeza, I'll see you in Cape Town soon. Well, Indeed. I certainly do owe you a visit in Cape Town, Leanne. You go well, Rosemary Anderson as well. Thank you so much for your time, my brother Lesejo as well. Thank you so much for the candid engagements, everybody. You certainly have enriched this platform, and we certainly can think a little bit differently about tourism. But more importantly, which is my great takeaway from this, we among ourselves have got so much to offer, and our first investors are indeed ourselves before everybody else. Let's leave it there for now. Twenty-one twenty is the time. It has been great having you, Sis Uyanda Mbuli. Thank you so much for your time and for your effervescence here on air. As all good things, this too has come to an end.